Hello, listeners, and welcome to a new episode of FF Plus. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and here with me for this episode is my friend, Coles Davis. What's up? Well, FF Plus is your outlet for spoiler-free movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, discussion, and more. And today on the show, we're going to be covering a couple upcoming maybe horror films from Amazon and Bloomhouse and also a movie that will be releasing soon on HBO Max that starred at this year's Sundance Film Festival. And we are just going to jump right on in there and get started. And so the first thing we're going to do is talk about these two Amazon flicks, Coles, and there are four in total, two that will be coming out this week and then two that will be coming out the next week. Amazon partnered with Bloomhouse for these, and these will be available for everyone who has Amazon Prime. This first one is called Black Box, and it will be available on Amazon Prime October the 6th. It stars Mamadou Athi, Felicia Rashad, Amanda Christine, Tosin Mora Humfola, Charmaine Bingwa, and Troy James. It is directed by Emmanuel Osekufor Jr. So the synopsis is this. Having lost his wife and his memory in a tragic car accident, news photographer Nolan Wright is a desperate to regain a sense of normalcy for both himself and his young daughter, Ava. So when brilliant neuropsychiatrist Dr. Lillian Brooks, played by Rashad, invites him to participate in an experimental treatment that might reverse his condition, he agrees. Using a hypnosis-inducing device called the Black Box, she unearths lost memories which allow patients to experience them firsthand. But the memories he experiences reveal a much darker past than he anticipated. Even more terrifying is the disfigured creature that threatens to kill Nolan in his surreal dream state. A haunting descent into one man's shattered psyche, Black Box is a high-tech thriller that poses the question, do we run our minds or do our minds run us? Now, the first thing I thought of when this thing ended, and basically the whole time it was playing, Kales, was it's called Black Box, but it really could have been Black Mirror because it feels like an extended feature-length Black Mirror movie. It's got that high-tech feel, that minimalistic filmmaking, not a lot of CGI. The only CGI in it really is the creature that is referenced that is in Nolan's like dreamscape. And it, it kind of takes the form of something that looks a lot like the Crooked Man from Conjuring 2 where... All of its limbs are contorted in various, very disgusting positions, and it like crawls around the screen and crackles and oh, it's, it's gross. But it's it's minimalistic. To be fair, there's no gore and things like that. This is really all about the aesthetic of just being confined and and not knowing what's going on. Um, Nolan, the main character here, played by Authy has this loss of memory that affects him and he doesn't really necessarily know everything that's going on. So I really just totally had the feel of Black Mirror, in my opinion. How did this one play for you? The comparisons to Black Mirror are right there. I mean, it's easily stated that this could be fit right into any season of Black Mirror. What I loved about this film is that it also has influences from films like Get Out and Inception. Um, as far as the Get Out references, you know, we talk about human consciousness and we talk about brain transplants. And we also get a theme of a person who is looking to find themselves, looking to know who they are. They kind of forgot who they were. And, you know, the things that they find out about themselves, sometimes it can be scary. Other times it could be um, a, a revelation. But it's all about that journey to really um, understanding who we are and why we are the way we are. I really love that little small little um, nugget to the story. And 
Inception-wise, I mean, you talk about it with the cerebral dreams that um, our character Nolan is going through, where it seems like he seems to be fighting himself. And I can't really consider that horror. I mean, yes, now, the bones, like, the this thing can shape the ship. It can move its bones, and you can feel the cracking of every bone and just the nastiness of it. Good sound design, by the way. Very good. Worked on, yes. But it's kind of like he's fighting himself. He's fighting against his own um, corrupted version in his own mind. So you get... A lot of thrilling aspects with that, and a mis- and it's a mystery as well. And going back to the performances, I mean, um, Amanda Christine as the kid, she almost plays like a mother figure to Nolan. You know, the mother figure, real mother figure, her, her mother is not there, but her character is kind of keeping her dad on his P's and Q's, what he should do when he's in his workplace, which is a cute little scene in the beginning. You know, um, keeping him on track. I mean, it's it's a nice performance, and I'm glad that we get to see a black dad and a black daughter have that kinship because that doesn't get portrayed a lot on screen. No, it doesn't. And it's actually my favorite part of the movie is the relationship between he and his daughter, which I guess as a dad is not out of the norm for me to think that, but it, it was nice to see how much of a role she plays in his memory loss. It reminded me of like Memento. She's, you know, there are notes around the house with him trying to remind himself of things. And she is constantly telling him like, Hey, don't forget to pick me up because he does, uh, because he just doesn't have the memory uh, for whatever this thing is that's wrong with him. I also thought it was really cool that we're going to see this thematic trend throughout all of these films. I don't think so far, the two that we've watched, neither one of them really fall into that horror category for me. They both feel much more like thrillers, but one thing that they all have in common is diversity. Uh, this film is an all black cast and a black director. And, you know, that is awesome to see, people being given the chance to show what they can do because not everything is going to be an in-theater movie. And from what I felt like is that this is the perfect kind of movie to go to a streaming platform. It really is. It wouldn't be out of place on Shutter necessarily either, uh, something like that. It, it's a good movie to sit down and watch over an hour and a half. I love these movies that are short like that, right? It's like it comes in. It actually kind of goes a little long. If I have a knock on it, I felt like the story could have been served within about an hour and a black mirror time frame of an episode so it feels a little drag out to me personally uh, again minimalistic filmmaking it's really a claustrophobic thing where he's trying to figure out what's going on in his head and, and who he is and all of these mysteries as you put it are trying to be solved but it's a fun little story and it's not anything that we haven't seen before in my opinion it's got elements of so many different things like Mento you mentioned Inception and Get Out it's got some insidious in there where Felicia Rashad's doctors kind of guiding him through this dream world in the way that the medium does in Insidious it's not it's a nice little mashup man I, I enjoyed this one for what it was yeah, I mean, um, Blue House has almost perfected the concept of less is more. You know, being less and more doesn't mean you can always make the greatest thing in the world like a Get Out was. But if you can make just like fun, like little um adventures like this, thrillers, I'm down for that. I'll, I'll eat about 20 of these if it comes down to it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's good. I, and, I, and I'm glad that we both liked this one. And you know, I'm hoping that that's the case for the second film as well. So the next one is called The Lie. This one actually premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2018, was eventually purchased by Bloomhouse, and then it is now available on Amazon Prime October 6th, along with Black Box. 
This one stars Muriel Enos, Peter Sarsgaard, and Joey King of the Kissing Booth fame. Then there's a couple of Netflix movies that she is the star of. Haven't seen them personally, but I know that she's in those. It's directed by Vina Sood, who also wrote it, I believe. And she's responsible for making the American crime series The Killing. Haven't seen it myself, but I've heard a lot of really good things about how thrilling that one is. And after seeing this, I'm actually kind of giving away what I think, but I'm inspired to watch The Killing because I, I was a big fan of this one. So synopsis, a divorced mother and father find themselves trapped in a living nightmare when their daughter confesses to murder. While driving his 15-year-old daughter, Kayla, played by Joey King, and her best friend, Brittany, to a weekend retreat in the dead of the winter, aging rock star Jay pulls over to the side of the road for a quick bathroom break. Although the two girls enter the surrounding woods together, only Kayla returns. Dun, dun, dun. Terrified she could be tried as an adult, Jay and his ex-wife, Rebecca, cover up Kayla's crime with a web of lies and deceit. But the truth won't stay buried, and as one mistake leads to another, the desperate parents discover that what actually happened in those icy woods is more shocking than they imagined. All right, so we, we mentioned thrillers. This is a thriller, full bore. There's no horror here. It is it's a thriller, and it's claustrophobic. And it's minimalistic. It's got the Canadian winter outdoors a couple of moments. And it's the rest of it's inside of a house. That's pretty much all there is to it. And that's fine. It's success hinges on the performances, which are very good. And the dramatic dynamics of the family. What connected with me, first of all, this premise hooked me instantaneously. As a parent of teenagers, I feel like you never really know them. And... They're crazy, and this movie just confirmed that <laughs> fear and that feeling. But it also really was getting at the heart of, you know, I'm a divorced parent, so these parents are keeping lies from each other, and they're asking their daughter to be involved in that. So, you know, it kind of comes full circle when now they're in this position to have to keep these lies to try and protect her. It goes to that place that every parent fears where, their unconditional love for their child starts to turn into this like ruthless sense of self-preservation because you've got to save that child from anything that could harm them, even if the child is willingly bringing it on themselves. And so I thought the performances were good. I thought the film was overall very intriguing. It kept me engaged. And, it, you know, they use the word shocking. In this synopsis, uh, the way that the film eventually goes, the direction of it, is, I think, going to be hit or miss for people, though. And I think it could make or break it. I wondered what you thought about this one, and particularly, does it work for you overall? The ending, for me, thinking about it now and having a few days to sit on it, it does work for me. Now, I have a feeling, I have a bad feeling that for most people, it's going to feel very cheap, and I I won't blame them for that. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of, um, if you like it, I love it. I mean, to each their own about what they're going to believe. But for me, I feel that the ending works. I mean, it's a, a very shocking film when it gets to the end. I mean, because essentially the thriller is like the walls closing in on a character. You know, Joey King, she's done this life-changing traumatic event. And now her parents, you know, even though they're divorced, they're stepping up to be there for her and to do whatever it takes to protect her. I'm not give them any sympathy or any or give them any props for what they do in the film because frankly they turn out to be kind of terrible people but 
the one thing I did notice is that this family was torn apart. They were broken in the beginning of the film. And this traumatic event almost brings them together in a twisted kind of way. You know, it's like they they're a happier family. They come back to being a happy family that they were before. You know, they were you know, the mother and the daughter were, they had a tense relationship. The daughter's having troubles with her mom. And, you know, she's struggling with her mom getting with someone and the dad getting with someone. But with this murder and them trying to rally around her, we get a sense of the family bonding together. And I did, I, I like that. I like that um, little nugget inside the story. And the acting is really good. I would say that this is a much stronger Bloomhouse film than Black Box was because, like you said before, I mean, it has that Hitchcockian influence into there, and I love me some Alfred Hitchcock. So this will this will play well for a lot of people who are in who are looking for a thriller that same vein. And both of these films combined, I mean, they're not going to shock the world. They're not going to be Best Picture nominees or anything like that. But hey, I mean, they're nice to have. I mean, it's like a Burger King Whopper. You know, a Burger King Whopper is not going to compare to something you get from Red Lobster or a five-star restaurant with a, a chef that has a Michelin rating of three. But Burger King is still good when it gets the job done. I mean, it satisfies your stomach. And this is what these films, both of these films are going to do for a lot of people when they come out. I love I love this analogy that you've got here because you're right. Well, there's, there's no filet mignon theater to go to right now and spend your big bucks on. And these are on a service that you probably already have for free, most of you. And so, like, why not? Why not grab your Burger King coupon and just eat your Whopper and enjoy your Whopper? And don't pretend that you don't like your Whopper because we all like the Whopper, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, we always want to say, oh, ah, Burger King. I'm not going to watch Burger King. I'm not going to eat that, right? Come on. Like, there's a night where you're sitting there on the couch. You don't want to cook dinner. You just want the Whopper. And these movies are the Whopper. <laughs> they're They're really, they're good. And I can see why this movie didn't go theatrical after TIFF. It's got really no big theatrical type nature to it. It didn't need to be seen in a theater, in my opinion. And so it plays great, just like Black Box on the small screen. It is really a good fit for streaming. And I think we're starting to get to a point where we understand what that is for Netflix and for Amazon and for HBO Max. There are movies that fit. And then there are movies that Netflix specifically tries to force these big action movies that oftentimes it just doesn't work when you try to do that on the small screen and that scale. So yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of both of these. This one more so than Black Box for me as well. I'm definitely going to be recommending this one to friends and family. Specifically, that premise is just juicy. And it, it's something that automatically brings familial drama that I think everyone on some level can probably relate to. And that makes it really interesting <laughs> once it comes to its final conclusion and whether or not you do feel any empathy for these characters or not. Like you said, you did not. And I mostly did not, but there were moments where I was like, you know what? I might've gone there. I, I might've gone there. I just don't know. I wish I could say I wouldn't, Coles, but I might. Well, the last of the three films that we have is not on Amazon Prime or from Bloomhouse. This is actually a movie that I've been looking forward to ever since it was announced. Uh, this premiered at Sundance this year. It's called Charm City Kings, and it was picked up and will be available on HBO Max, my personal favorite streaming service. I know you're a big fan as well, and it will be there on October the 8th. This movie won the U.S. Dramatic Special Jury Prize for Ensemble Acting at the Sundance Film Festival. It stars Jahi Diallo Winston, the rapper Meek Mill, Will Catlett, Danielle Hansley, Kezi Curtis, 
Chino, Lacaria, Wheelie Queen, Dodie, and Tayona Paris. It is directed by Angel Manuel Soto, and the writing credits include quite a few big names, one of which is Barry Jenkins, who contributed to the script. Synopsis, Mouse, played by Winston, desperately wants to join the Midnight Click, an infamous group of Baltimore dirt bike riders who rule the summertime streets. When Midnight's leader, Blacks, played by Meek Mill, takes 14-year-old Mouse under his wing, Mouse soon finds himself torn between the straight and narrow in a road filled with fast money and violence. I was floored by this film, Coles. I told you that right after I watched it. This is one of the rare movies that I didn't give a star rating to right off the bat because I needed to let it sit and marinate because I wanted to be sure of how I felt. It was, I was pretty emotionally impacted by it. And I do think that it is probably up there with my favorite narrative films of the year, if not number one right now. For me, it gave me an experience that I have not seen and it's one that I really enjoy which is coming of age movies and yet there is an angle to this movie it's coming from a black perspective in the inner city of Baltimore and it is done in a way that is not like any other black coming of age film that I personally have related to I think that there are elements of moonlight very present here of course moonlight's not just 14 and 15 year old kids but this movie is about one summer in the streets of Baltimore, and these kids are just kids. And yes, they have to deal with the reality of where they live and the culture that they are a part of, but there's so much more to these characters, and all of the performances were really strong. So, you know, how did you feel about Charm City Kings? I will always shout out to the heavens that in African-American cinema, we need more films like Lady Bird or Stand By Me. You know, we need we we I will always champion the cause for more black coming of age films. Um, this is a, such a great film. I mean, the performances all across the board, everyone brings something to this film. I mean, it's a who's who of um, certain character actors that I've seen in other films. And then we get a blazing debut from Meek Mill. I'm not really a big fan of his music. I like some of his songs, but he has a he if he can continue on with this trek of um supporting roles of films like this, he can have a nice little steady movie career. You know, it's not gonna be the same as Will Smith, but it can it can be at least something substantial. You know, I love I love any film that takes place in Baltimore. I mean, I'm a big fan of the wire the TV series I meant. So the city of Baltimore, um, I have a kinship with it, um, cinematic wise. So seeing a, a film that takes place and showing the big dirt bike scene that is there was really great. And the dirt bikes, they take a background to the kids in the film. You know, we get to see black kids being black kids. You know, we get to see these kids going through every day, you know, they're pranking on each other, they're joking on each other. But we're also seeing that sometimes when you grow up in environments as these kids come from, sometimes the temptation of the street can get to you. And it's all about trying to fight it off. Do you succumb to it or do you fight off that, that thrill and the lust that it will get you? You know, the prestige, the money, the fame, you know, Mouse, the whole, the, through the film, you, we can see that he's a good kid. I mean, this guy wants to grow up to be a veterinarian. We don't hardly see black kids who want to be veterinarians in films. We don't even see black kids who want to be really anything substantial in these films other than short-sighted stereotypes of just gang members and hoodlums. You know, Mouse has dreams, aspirations, but he's having to fight against 
you know, coming from an environment where the dirt bike people are the stars of the of the neighborhood, you know, and to be a star of the neighborhood, you have to do um have to get down with the underground. And he's and it's all about this tit for tat, you know, there's a tug of war, you know, you have one side the legitimate side, like, hey, let's let's work on becoming veterinarians. And the other side, you have the streets right there pulling him. So, but like I said before, this film is one of the best of the year, in my opinion. I especially love the shots of the dirt bike sequences. They're few and far between, but when they they when the dirt bikes are speeding throughout the streets and you know getting this camera zooming in and around, it's very exciting. It's awesome. Great work. Great direction work right there. Yeah, I loved it. I, I agree. I agree. I actually was expecting a lot more dirt bikes. I, you know, <laughs> when you watch the trailer, it sort of sells it that way, but it's so much more drama than it is anything about the bike. Like the bikes are just the way that they are expressing themselves in this specific place in this specific time. It's the thing that brings them together. Like with Meek Bell's character, Blacks, who is this former convict who runs this gang and he's out on parole. So, like, he's the guy who's been bringing these kids off the street with the drugs and the guns, and yet he ends up kind of taking Mouse under his wing to build a bike. And that relationship begins to be fostered. And Mouse simultaneously has this other relationship in his life from a detective, a local police officer, who is a black man who was part of this group who were mentoring kids in schools uh, a few years back. And... You know, of course, Mouse has the tragic backstory. Uh, his brother was part of one of these gangs. His brother's no longer with him. And so this detective is like trying to bring Mouse out of this world. Like he wants to see him succeed as a veterinarian. And so Mouse has these two black men who are influencing him in ways that a father figure would, but isn't present to do, or a big brother would, but isn't present to do. And it's a beautiful beautiful like we talk about in reality like the lack of black fathers that are present in many community homes because of whether it's over prison um, populations or whatever the case may be and violence but like a lot of black kids grow up without fathers and this we see two guys who legitimately care about this kid and they are fostering these relationships and trying to take care of him in their own ways and meek mills character in particular this big bad guy like he's so gentle and so soft and caring it's really an awesome performance and uh i, I really enjoyed that element of it and then like you said with the baltimore one of the i actually need to look this up so winston speaks with this very weird accent and i say weird so i don't mean that as a negative but like it's weird to me it's weird to my ears because it'll it's almost like a, something you really recognize normally but then he like the ooze like they they kind of like drag out like some do and the end of an o word and his mom was speaking with the same accent i was like okay this can't be a coincidence right like at first i thought maybe it's just the actor maybe this is how the actor speaks but when i went and did some research i found it like there's an actual dialect to baltimore and the language here. And I thought that was brilliant. Like he did a really great job in this performance of carrying the emotional weight of the entire story. Like he, he will be on my ballot in the Seattle Film Critics Society because we have a best youth performance category and he is eligible. So he's definitely going on there for me. Yeah, it, it just it connected with me in a big, big way. Um, major empathy and, and a lot more understanding. It was just like I've seen so many coming of age films where white kids go and have a summer and experience something, right? They go to camp or whatever, and they just come back and they go to school. This is like the version of that, 
Only it's black kids in inner city Baltimore having a summer. And this is what the summer looks like for many black kids in the inner city in Baltimore. And it's not great all the time, but there's so many elements like them hanging out at the corner store and arguing over candy that made this unique and special and unstereotypical in a way that I think elevated it big time. Yeah, this is going to be on my ballot for a lot, lot of categories on um, award season. So get ready to see it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, again, October the 8th on HBO Max. Last but not least, this one we're not going to go into dialogue about, but I wanted to promote something. It's on Netflix. It's new to Netflix. It's called Dick Johnson is Dead. And this is a documentary from a filmmaker who is actually originally here in Seattle. Her name is Kirsten Johnson. And she has chosen to basically film in a very clever and quirky way some of the last years of her father's life as he begins to experience dementia and move towards passing on. It's something that made me cry gobs and gobs while watching, somewhat out of sadness. I've lost my own mom, and I definitely resonated with that, but also out of just joy and the beautiful way in which they go about this experience. They they do some stunt work. It's crazy. It's really crazy. Like, I can't explain to you what this is like. You just have to see it. There's some, like, fantastical sequences where he's in heaven. And there's, like, moments where he's trying out his own coffin. This sounds very dark, but it is incredibly moving and powerful. And the point of it is both a bonding experience for them, but also it is inspirational to us in a way that, told me like I wish I had videos of my mom because you know what videos and pictures you can't match that with your memory forever because your memory is going to fade but those things will stay forever and it, the way that they created this it, it was just mind-boggling to me uh, it was so unique and it's easily I, it my favorite documentary of the year which I didn't think was going to happen because Boy State is there and I love it and I think it's important, but this just was so much more emotionally raw for me that I thought it was just worth everybody checking out. It's on Netflix. It's free for you if you're a subscriber or whatever. Dick Johnson is dead. Go watch it. Be prepared for the feels that you're going to get once you do. But it is absolutely one that should be on your list. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back in about a week from now with two more of our Amazon Bloomhouse collaboration films to discuss, as well as some thoughts on the new film from director-writer Aaron Sorkin, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Till then, everybody, go watch some movies, have a great week, and we will talk to you soon. See ya. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter, but be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.